Hey guys, welcome to My Kind of Podcast. I'm Connor Moore and joining me are my hosts who will most definitely probably be annoyed by me by the end of the calendar year. We have forward Sarah Luber and defender Zoe Morse. Guys, how, welcome. How are you guys doing? Hello. I'm so excited to get this podcast going. Honestly. <laughs> I feel like we have done a pretty good job of not saying anything or like posting anything about it at least ahead of the team account honestly i think we've done a pretty good job of just not doing anything about it i agree keep it on the dl yeah <laughs> surprise honestly yeah. a little bit of mystery i love it for those of you guys listening we have laurie kolopny michelle lumnicki and julianne sitch all on this on the show today talking about their previous experiences with the red stars all former red stars from the WPS days and all had at least a year or two in what is now known as the NWSL. For you two, how was that hearing their stories? It was, it was definitely really cool. I mean, we talk about the evolution of a player um, and we got to talk to people who are a few years out of their playing career and Sarah and I are just starting ours. So getting to hear what their experiences were like in some of the old leagues uh, was really interesting compared to how we what our life is like day to day now. And yeah, I think I'm really excited to share our conversation conversation with everyone. Yeah, I'm really excited to share it with everybody too. It was super enlightening and there were a lot of answers that they had that I wasn't really expecting, but um, yeah, I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. Without further ado, let's toss it right over to that conversation that the three of us had uh, with Michelle, Lori, and Julianne. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. And we have three special guests with us. As of course, the first episode is going to be a jam-packed episode. Uh, but here we are. We are joined by Julian Sitch, Lori Kalupny, and Michelle Lomnicki. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for being the inaugural guests on the show. Thanks for having us. Looking yeah. forward to it. Thank you for having us. So before we get uh, get started, I just want we can go down the line and either one of you guys can start. I just want to talk about uh, your early life, you know, growing up, uh, goals, role models, basically everything prior to your guys' professional careers. So if anyone wants to get going. Sure. How much time do you have? <laughs> take, take, take however much you need. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start. So I... Um, I started playing soccer real young um, in grade school uh, just because that's something my friends were doing and we would play out at recess and and just kind of loved it right away and uh, and went from there. I ended up going to the University of North Carolina for college, which was a dream school of mine. And I had watched them compete uh, for national championships on television with my dad growing up. So I wanted to be a Tar Heel my entire life. So that was a dream come true and began uh, playing with the national team during my college career. After college, I uh, continued to play with the U.S. team and play professionally as well in the WPS and then NWSL with the Red Stars. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started playing soccer when I was about five years old. I started out with being the only girl on the team. You know, they didn't really have any girl team, so I was playing with all boys. I remember at a really young age telling my dad that I wanted to be a professional soccer player, but played many sports, and by the time I got to high school, just kind of focused on soccer. Uh, went to DePaul University, played four years there, played a little bit overseas, played a little bit with the youth national teams, and then ending playing with uh, WPS and NWSL. 
Yeah, hard to follow those up. But I, uh, I started at a young age too. I um, had two older brothers, so I kind of watched them since I was born. I had a little bit different of a story. I wasn't just a sole soccer player. I played four sports in high school. Didn't know that I was going to play college soccer until my senior year. I was unrecruited, kind of a recruited walk-on, if you will, at CU Buffs um, in Colorado and became a four-year starter there. After I graduated, I was lucky enough to come out when there was a league starting up. So I played for as a developmental player for the Red Stars, my first season playing pro in the WPS and then a little bit overseas and then ended up finishing up with these ladies at the Red Stars as well. If you didn't go pro in soccer, what which of the other four, of the other three, would you have wanted to go pro in? Uh, basketball, but I wasn't built for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty tall. Definitely not running. Um, basketball would have been my first. Those are hard. I was deciding between the two, but I was a little bit more built for soccer. So. <laughs> what were the other two sports you played? Uh, I did cross country and track as well. What events? What events in track? So track, I I was really done with long distance, so I got shorter and shorter. I went from the 800 to the 400, 200, and then ended in the 100. <laughs> I'm like, ah, how short can we get this? I, I don't want to You got smarter as you got older, I think. Well, right, because I was playing soccer and doing track in the same season. So I was like, you know, what can I do to make this a little shorter? <laughs> I can 100% relate to that. I had the same exact story. It would be go to track practice, started at the two mile. And then by the time I got to soccer practice, I was absolutely dead. So I was slowly like, coach, I, how about the 800? Can we change? I got 100, that looks nice. You guys got it all wrong, man. I did the triple jump, it was great. Oh, well. You got I, it right. I remember, I remember the triple jump when I did it and I didn't do it. I didn't, the, I think the only thing that I had conflicting was baseball at the time, but I did that outside. Of, of high school mistake mistake I'm pretty sure my ankles were just I think I remember one weekend in general I like sprained my ankle running uh sprinting at a baseball practice and I was just like done I was like coach you know like I'm not jumping scratch me I'll get like that's it can't but my issue is I can't jump so <laughs> I'm with you on that one too <laughs> okay I think the next question we have is just kind of when you first entered the league so for all of you that would be the WPS right so what was your day-to-day -day life like as like a player now I'm super curious to see how my experience is different from you guys and I'm sure other people are interested in that too. I played with Sky Blue the first year and our whole team lived in apartment or sorry a hotel basically like a hotel suite so you had one roommate and you had your own like kitchen and everything kind of set up. I thought it was the greatest thing ever because we hung out all the time. So we would literally go to practice in the morning and we'd come home and all of us bought longboards. So we would longboard around the hotel parking lot. We had a pool. So we had pool parties every day after practice. <laughs> and like we literally just like hung out. So I think it's very different. Like we didn't have a weight. Like we didn't have a weight. I think we had a, a weight strength guy that came out to the field. We did a couple stuff like out of the field, but we just didn't have access to those things. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the funds for that. So, you know, we didn't have a locker room. I think the first couple months we showed up and we had a trailer out at the parking lot and I, that's what we changed in. But I would say quickly after that, like all of us, you just changed at home. You came to practice, you got in your car and you left. Like we didn't have that camaraderie in the locker room yet because we all lived together basically the hotel suite was our locker room 24 7 and we just hung out and did anything and everything 
you know, together, we had a owl that became the joke, a plastic owl from the hotel that we stole that like, you didn't want to have the owl in your room, like you try to pass it around the rooms of the hotel. So, you know, it was like, basically just um, college times 10 in a hotel suite and playing soccer. So it was pretty fun living the dream that first year for sure. And that's, and that's why you guys won the championship. And that is why we won the championship. I mean, our team chemistry was ridiculous. And we just got along so well that I mean, we on paper, we should never have won. You know, we didn't have the best team, but we definitely had a best team in terms of like an actual team and cohesiveness. It was really cool. Something special. For sure. It's not all about what's on paper. Like you need that sort of extra. Absolutely. I want to know whatever happened to the owl after that season. <laughs> Honestly, whatever happened to the owl? <laughs> yeah. Well, the greatest thing was, too, is there was a baseball team that moved in. <laughs> she just knows a little bit about this. There's a baseball team that moved in and that was playing like semi-pro there as well. So our team, you know, we hung out and got along well with the men's baseball team as well. So definitely surreal experience, like something that never, ever happened again in the league for sure. Laurie or Michelle, do you guys want to kind of add on about it, about your guys' experience with the uh, with the WPS? Um, I'm trying to remember. That was a really long time ago. <laughs> no, I think um, Sitch uh, kind of hit on a lot of it. I think like I, I played for, well, I was lucky. I got to play in my hometown here in St. Louis uh, for a year and a half and really enjoyed that experience, but kind of similar in terms of like what we had available to us. Like we didn't really lift weights, like on a regular basis or have like a, a lifting place. We had, you know, we, we showed up to the field in our training gear and we would have practice and then we would go home and, and uh, you know, it was just a, it, it was a great start and it was a great environment, you know, to play professional soccer, but it certainly didn't have the professional feel, you know, we were playing in, in, in empty stadiums and a couple hundred fans and, and it was definitely a different experience, but it also kind of, you know, it was a start, it was a start of something and it was cool to be at that stage. And it's also uh, cool to see where we are now and, and uh, where, where things have gone. I was going to say the same sort of thing. Like, it's cool to hear you talking about where you guys started because we appreciate so much that you guys started that first year and then we're able to be where we are now. And it's cool to see that growth happening. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool to see, especially with Chicago, considering, you know, playing there and now like coaching there, like the things and the resources that you guys have and the difference, the locker room, the stadium, like Chief says, it's like, it was professional when we played, but without some of the professional feel for some of that stuff. And for where the league is now, it's unbelievable growth. You guys have professional, great soccer, and also that professional feel and the stadiums and atmosphere, fans, all of that stuff. Sorry, Michelle, I didn't mean to. No, you're good. I think my experience is a little different than theirs as far as um, what the locker room looked like. Um, obviously, we started out at Toyota Park, you know, which is now SeatGeek. Originally, that was where we played our first couple seasons, I guess, with the Red Stars. And um, we had the locker room, we had, the, you know, the dance parties and um, stuff in the locker room. You know, we had Brazilian players and Swedish players and pretty much everywhere. So we had that ability to create the cohesiveness in the locker room. Um, and we did a lot of weight training, mostly on the field, um, just body weight type stuff. So we had the resources here, but it was different because everybody was so spread out and where they lived because Chicago, you know how Chicago is, it's just so big. Some girls lived in, with host families and then some lived in the city. So getting, getting to know your teammates was really all we had was training and in the locker room, basically. Uh, I, you know, I lived with a few of the girls, which was nice. So we, we got really close. But other than that, around the league in general, like 
like we've said, and as we progress through, there wasn't a lot of resources as far as, you know, what does your nutrition look like? What does your fitness look like? What is, you know, are you doing the weights that you need to do? Um, stuff that we really just weren't provided as much. It's cool to see how far it's come, honestly, because I think there's so much more than just the soccer piece that's important for the female athlete nowadays. One thing I keep thinking about and trying to appreciate while we're playing is just the stability aspect of our league. And I know like with the WPS, the WPS folding, was stability ever like something that really weighed on your guys' minds while you were trying to play? And how did that affect you guys? Yeah, I think we were all pretty worried at some point. I mean, Lori can speak to this, but obviously with, with St. Louis folding midseason, that was, um, and then obviously WPS folding. I think for all of us, we were concerned year to year if we were going to play because we went through a season where there was no league and we were all trying to figure out alternative plans and how we can continue to play. It kind of strikes that it, is my career going to be over before I want it to be over or, you know, you know, we already had been through that. So we did everything in our power, I think, to push through the barriers of, you know, we don't have the resources when the NWSL started again. When it started up, it was just, you know, we want it to last. We want to be here. We want to play with our teammates and we'll do whatever to make it work. And Choops, you might be able to talk to this because we're a little bit older than Michelle. We came out of college in 2006. There was no league. WUSA folded when we were in college. So like for myself, I can't speak for tubes. Like I was devastated. Like I, you know, you go to college and you're so excited to play pro and you see me, Ham and Julie Foudy and all of these people that you've grown up idolizing, you see them playing in a league and you're so excited to get out of college. And yes, my dream can come true. I can finally play pro and it folds before you even have an opportunity. So graduating in 2006, I was lucky and fortunate enough to be able to go overseas and play in Sweden. But coming back, like we waited almost three years for a league in the States. So the first year in the, w, in the uh, WPS came back in 2009. So it was like for three years, we scrounged, you played for anything. You would play anywhere, do anything to just like keep this dream alive. And like Chubes in my generation, a lot of us all did that in order to stay and play in the WPS. And I think that's like something that is really cool to look and see where the league is now because we didn't have that and we had to find a place to play for three years and then being able to now see where you guys have the dream of going into college playing in college and having the dream to come out and be able to fulfill and live out your dream I think is 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 great yeah absolutely no I I, I agree with with everything I think uh for us in those days, it was sort of living like day to day. Like you couldn't really plan mm -hmm. like a future in pro soccer. You just enjoyed the the moment. And uh, it, but it felt like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in every, it wasn't going to last, you know, just kind of, you, you felt like, well, maybe we'll get one more year and that'd be great. But mm -hmm. it never felt like, oh, I can see myself playing in, in two or three years uh, in the pro league. And, and like Sitch said, you have to remember that the, the uh, WSA folded prior and then we had uh, WPS that started but you know every year teams were folding uh, every season two or three teams would fold and and uh, mid-season uh, Athletica folded that and then uh, so it was just kind of a constant like you could see the you could see the end was near and we were just trying to hold on and try to enjoy it. Well, I was just gonna say with that like uncertainty did you guys ever turn to like getting a second job kind of thing like some having that sort of stability or trying to find that wall pushing for that playing career no matter how long it was going to be 
certainty looked like? Yeah, so I started coaching um, in the off season. Uh, that's I started coaching with cl- club teams, and then eventually with some college teams because it worked out with our our schedule. That in the fall uh, I was I could be back home. So I started to think about my future and started to think about what uh, what I could do post soccer for sure. In hindsight, that was that was a really great thing to to do to 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 kind of start to to think about the future uh, even when I was still playing absolutely I started doing the same coaching any opportunity you have doing individuals all that stuff you know to do on the side and you know I was really fortunate enough too. like my parents really supported me with this dream and and helped me in every way possible to make this happen because without them like those long three years or, you know, sometimes of that uncertainty, you know, it's hard. So definitely having to coach and do things on the side. And I did a lot of coaching even in the season as well to just try to maintain, to live out my dream and play as long as I could. Yeah. I mean, when, when the league had folded, I had started looking for a job because I didn't know what, what it would look like. So I ended up getting a full-time job in finance. I actually ended up we getting drafted by the Red Stars and continuing that job. So I worked full-time every day um, for two years while I played soccer as well. Um, my last season, I decided to hang that up and just play soccer a little bit. I was a little bit untraditional because I didn't know, I didn't know at time that I wanted to coach. That was actually something I knew I didn't want to do but now I do. So (laughs) who knows what you want, right? Um, I got into finance after that too, and then decided to get back into soccer, but I worked full time. Um, I'd be at work from six to nine, training from 10 to two, back to work from two to seven, every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, I guess. And then on trips and stuff, I'd be working. Sitch and I would be downstairs (laughs) at 5.30 a.m. working before games. um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I know that is exactly what I needed just for me to get away from soccer too. But it wasn't, I would say, as rigorous because we didn't have as many hours put into training. The only issue was when I got hurt and having to go back to the trainer after work every day was a long day. So yeah, it's a little bit untraditional in the way that I, I went through my career. How stressful was that for all of you guys to try to manage that off the field job and try to get that stability while also still hoping and to try to find anywhere any place to play if, if you could put that on a scale how stressful was that experience and I guess how relieving was it and how were you able to get relieve that stress if it wasn't on the field I mean I can't really put a number on how stressful it was I mean it was stressful but I think for us like the way that we're geared um you know we're, we're obviously three close friends too and the way that we're geared is just um, to continue pushing and, and to really just challenge yourself more than just the soccer side. The hardest part, I think, was managing your body while trying to also do other things. Financially, you know, with what the salaries were in the league at the time, it was difficult, right? We had, you know, some of us had houses that we need, you know, people that were trying to support as well. So we had to find other ways to, to make income and make ends meet so that we could continue to play. I would say it was the real main stress was kind of Michelle hit it perfectly, like not running your body ragged in order to be able to perform at the highest level that we needed to. Like I had to do personal training before training sessions and then go to training, come home and go coach at night. Like you're on your feet a lot. And as a pro athlete, like you need to make sure you're managing and taking care of your body. But like the stresses of everything else, I 
really just tried to look at is like they'll sort themselves out and like I was living out my dream with my best friends like I got to go to work every single day and run around the field with my friends it was stressful times financially or having to do other things but like I just considered myself like extremely lucky and blessed to have the opportunity to play with people and like now we're sitting here with Choops and Michelle like we were all at each other's weddings well I haven't gotten married yet but like <laughs> you guys will be there but like you know just like those things were like life you know, like I would never trade that for anything. And as stressful as it was, like, it didn't matter. Like one, we were all, and I think Michelle and Chups can hundred percent agree to this. Like we were fighting for the generations under us to have these opportunities to play. And like, I was just happy to be kicking a ball around that I would have done anything. I don't know. I just considered ourselves really lucky and fortunate that we had the opportunity to play a couple years pro. I mean, thank you for thinking of us even back then when you're in that stressful situation i think we see that every day especially with you sitch like you're around us every day you're training with us and i can see the like grit you have and how we're we need to aspire to that level and it's because you went through those times however many years ago you're not old i'm not that old Zoe. <laughs> Watch it. Oh, oh boy oh. you show me up on the field sitch you show me up she could still run circles around any of us, guys. Come on. It happened so many times. Crazy. <laughs> uh, you guys keep me young. You keep me young. <laughs> Zoe, is tell me there's a story where Sitch just absolute like you you said she's shown you up a couple of times. You've gotta you've gotta start. You've gotta you gotta spell. You have to spell. I mean, I don't know if I can pinpoint one time, but <laughs> I know there was one time in preseason. Well, the first preseason we had this year, there were, there were a couple. Um, when we were out at that turf field in Indiana and we were playing that 2v2v2 2v2 or 4v2 oh, game, yeah. do you remember that? <laughs> and Rory pulled something where you got mad about it. That's when I saw that, how competitive you were. You started yelling or something. That's one of my favorite games. We got um, so We would all play that. Like, do you remember when we'd play 4v2 transition or the one where it was like, 3v1 and you had to dribble out of the box when you oh man oh. you should have seen us back then it was like cleats up like <laughs> yeah Chiefs, do you remember when we played the one touch shooting game and yeah. it was like you and we like dominated every game and i think did we lose like the last one and we were like so pissed we didn't talk to anyone the whole rest of the day it sounds about right i mean the number of times that we that we cussed each other out during training like just absolutely went at each other like we're still friends. We're good now, right? We're good. <laughs> I don't like we walk up the field and be like, hey, remember when I called you? We just laugh about it. Uh, Laura and I'd be like, all right, we're going to go home together. Are you good? We good? Yeah, yeah we good. <laughs> <laughs> but the ball was out. I know it was out. <laughs> it's still going on. Oh, yeah. uh, such good times. <sighs> yeah, it was. Sarah, do you have a sit story from training at all? Not really. Like, I'm trying to think. I just feel like anytime we're playing, like when we would play 8v8, I think it was the second preseason maybe when we barely had any numbers and we were trying to get to play 11v11 and we were playing at most 8v8 in SeatGeek and you were on our team. And I, I was just always okay with you being on our team, Sitch, because I knew you were going to go hard at whatever position you're playing. <laughs> like, Sitch is on the team. She's going to be a workhorse. I just remembered another one when we were out in Utah. And we were doing, it was like a passing pattern. And you were shadow defending, not even, not even it was defending. supposed to be like maybe 10%. Mm -hmm. You slide tackle, get the largest raspberry on your shin, <laughs> and have to go to treatment <laughs> every day for the rest of the time we're there. 
Yeah, that was brutal. I still have a scar from that, man. It was like raw for like a month or two. Like it was disgusting, but. I like painful. Yeah. Uh, Lori, this next question, I want to I want to start with you because you had touched on it a little bit, uh, mentioning the, the stadiums and the small amount of crowds uh, from your playing days in comparison to what you see now. How was it playing in, uh, in front in front of those crowds? Was it just another case of just being grateful that you're able to carry on this dream? And, you know, as your playing career progressed, as all of your as playing careers progressed, when you uh, did you guys start to see or maybe kind of get a hint of the, the tide changing of maybe there's more interest uh, progressively growing more and more? Like, how was it from your guys' eyes? At the time, it, like, you know, you're when you're part of growing something, you don't know you know, looking back now, it's like, oh, wow, we put in empty stadiums with only, you know, a couple hundred fans and look where we're at. But like at the time, you didn't know any different, you know, it was, uh, it was just, that's just the way it was. And and I think in terms of having a job or having something else to do that we didn't know any different. Uh, we were just, you know, we were just kind of figuring it out as we went. So I think, you know, now looking back at some of these things, wow, that seems, that's crazy. You know, you know, they played in, in certain stadiums and there were only, you know, a hundred fans there or like n- nobody even in the seats. And that seems crazy to think now, but at the time it, it was, uh, that was normal. You know, that was just, that was the way it was. And I, I don't remember ever really like thinking about it or being concerned about it. I, I do remember thinking like, no, well, I remember the first couple times we went to Portland to play the Thorns and there being, you know, 12,000, 13,000 fans there. And I was like, wow, this is, this is fun, you know? And that was a very unique experience for us, but also kind of having the back of your head, like, well, this is awesome. Like, what if this, we could go here, you know, where every game is like this and the fans are engaged and, you know, uh, more than just coming to the games, but engaged in the, in the team and the community. And so you could kind of see glimpses of it, but it, it certainly wasn't at the time, anything that we thought too much about, to be honest. Michelle, Sitch, any, any stories at all from what you guys saw as far as, as far as fans were concerned? And if there is ever a moment that you guys had or saw where you can kind of tell that the interest was starting to rise in the, in women's soccer. Every time there was a, you know, a world cup or an Olympic year, you could feel the buildup. But other than that, I mean, it, you didn't really think about it much. You didn't notice it. We just kind of went about, you know, focusing on the things that we could control. Yeah, we definitely saw the interest peak in those moments, but it was never like steady after, I think. So I kind of just noticed it more so when I retired, what the interest looked like as far as the league and players wanting to be in the league and um, the stability, you know, once the stability <laughs> was better, I think people saw more, you know, more interest in it. Um, but I think for me, it was more like being from the outside looking in. What were um, some of the things you guys would do to like de-stress ever if you had time? I feel like different things are flashing you guys' minds. Lori, remember what we used to do? We were like, I don't know, we would go to like Michael's or Hobby Lobby. (laughs) We spent a lot of time at Hobby Lobby. We some good crafts. You should, you had to ask Motsi about our, our paint by number. Uh, masterpieces. We did some yeah. pretty nice paint by numbers. I tried to get some knitting. stories from Mars. The what? <laughs> You're really good at knitting winter hats. Do you remember when we knitted winter <laughs> We da- we dabbled in in knitting, maybe. How'd that go? <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> I feel like we're already talking like we're old women. I love it. <laughs> I like to just sit in coffee shops. I like went to coffee shops or like when I played in Chicago, just like hanging out around the lake. But 
Mm-hmm. What was your favorite coffee shop? I think it's, is it called Lo, La Colombe or whatever? Colombe? What is it called? La Colombe. Yeah, in the West Loop. I like that one. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> they opened one up like a mile from our apartment. Oh, nice. A little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I think naps were key. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous of my kids nowadays. I'm like, I wish I could nap. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All yeah. The time. Every time on the road trip, <laughs> you were always napping. Never. I was tired. <laughs> well, yeah, we you uh you're probably not getting any naps nowadays. So oh. I was doing the build up for when I had kids and I knew that was never gonna happen. <laughs> the amount of times I wish I could go back to, you know, taking a two hour nap in the middle of the day. Oof. Yeah, yeah, Miss New Mama. How's that going for you? It's going. It's going good. <laughs> Don't you just nap when they nap, Poops? I'm sure you have nothing else to do, right? Yeah, yeah. just nap when the kids nap, right? Best advice ever, not. <laughs> and when you have two, they don't nap at the same time. They don't nap at the same time. Addison stopped napping at the beginning of quarantine. So that oh, was bless, bless you. But you guys have handled motherhood during your playing careers. You guys see, uh, we've seen this more and more often uh, nowadays. And the league has gone done a great job of handling players who go who go off on paternity leave. Could you guys have handled that uh, back in your play in, in your playing careers? Uh, and how how have you guys seen the difference from teammates or friends who may have gotten pregnant during playing then, comparison to how it is now? I have no idea how they did it. <laughs> I, <do not. laughs> I mean, some of the girls did. Yeah, know. no, I mean, I, I have such a such a big respect for the players who who have kids and continue to play, you know, just like we we're talking about there's there's uh, you're getting pulled in different directions and, and trying to also play at a high level and make sure that you're getting your rest and eating what you need and taking care of your body. I, I mean, it's uh, it's tough. I have I have an enormous amount of respect for for moms who, who continue to play. I never really thought it of it as an option to continue playing after having my my son you know originally I was in my mind it was like when I have kids I'm done like yeah, I don't think I could do it so again yeah the huge amount of respect we have for them and the the resources that they have available to them are massive um, I think it's such a huge step going forward for women's sports in general because originally when you think about it when you start having kids you're like all right I'm done with this you know soccer's over but now it's it's not always in that and that's the end for some of these players which is key especially for players who are aspiring to be on the national team and, and play well beyond that as well so it's massive it's awesome would you say that it might have been back in your guys playing career would you say that that might have been the be all end all uh, for the most part in comparison to now then well I think that there, there were plenty of players who continued to play um uh, whether it was in the league or with the national team and, and after having kids so it wasn't like you know, it wasn't crazy, uh, right. but I do think that just, you know, like we were saying, the number, the resources and just the the different things you have at your disposal nowadays maybe makes it a little bit easier if that's possible. Um, but, uh, but I do think it's, it's maybe a little more mainstream now, but, but I wouldn't say it was abnormal back when we were playing. Now, what would you guys say? <clears throat> and I'm very, I'm very curious to know this one, and I'll, and I'll actually start with Sitch for this one. Compared to now that, uh, that you're on the coaching staff, as a player, your experiences with Rory. My experiences with Rory as a player versus now working with, alongside of him? Yeah. He's changed a little bit. 
he still values and has all the same things that he instilled at, in our generation in the younger years when he played. You know, I mean, at the time, there were times, and I've had this conversation with Rory, so I can say that he upset me at times, right? Like, but at the end of the day, I don't think I've ever had a coach that also held me to a higher standard in many different ways. So as much as he maybe got underneath my skin, I still, at the end of the day, wanted to make him happy and wanted him to be like proud of me or wanted to do really well for him. So of course, at the time or you're playing or you're younger, you're like, ah, frustrated with it. But like, now that I'm older too, or I grew into my career and having him as a coach for a couple years, like... I just grew to like respect that as well. Like he really did push me to a completely different standard and, you know, me pushing myself to get a lot more out of myself than that. And, and I think working alongside with him now, like, I love it. Like I love our work relationship and I'm really happy that we have that relationship now. And I think that's one thing too, like coming away with like working with the Red Stars. I love it for so many different ways, but also like I'm actually like really appreciative and very thankful for the friendship that Rory and I have like grown to have. And I've learned a lot from him. Like he is very smart. He knows the game and you know, those are areas that I still need to continue to prove on. And I think working with him, like he challenges me in many different ways and you know when we've had a conversation about working with the red stars he was like come work with the red stars and you know i will help you and you will get uncomfortable and grow and you know get out of your comfort zone and he is 100 percent right like i've done all of those things while moving forward and working with him and you know i appreciate it a lot and it's great to call him like a good friend now <laughs> you know and and have that different balance from at the time when he was coaching me to now. And like I said, I'm just glad that we've grown in that way and really looking forward to continue to grow from him because I think he is extremely knowledgeable. And I love that we have the same mentality in that sense of like the work ethic, the blue collar, like here we go. Like, and I love that. And I appreciate so much of that from him because that is like, was I think one of my strengths as a player I was never the most technical tactical player and he will tell you that as well as you know and like <laughs> but like I would have gone through a brick wall for any one of my teammates and that blue collar mentality and so I think we really share that same value a lot and it's really cool to like have some of those similarities with someone that you work with and Lori Michelle what was your guys' experiences uh, with Rory? Wow Rory <laughs> where to begin no, I think uh, I think Sitch touched on on everything that I was going to say. Rory's a, he's tough, man. He's tough to play for, but it's because he he just he holds you to the the standard, and sometimes it's maybe a higher standard than you even think you can attain, you know. And and he he just pushes you to to new uh, to new levels. Um, I think what he did that I appreciate so much, like Sitch was saying. Um, and made our team successful was that he instilled that blue collar, like blue collar. We knew what we were, you know, our identity was never in question. Even as a team, we were, we weren't the, we were never the skilled team. We, you know, I, I don't think that was even what we were going for, what we were going for. And the players that we recruited were the, the blue collar, the people who would fight until the end for their teammates. And, and that's what we got. And, and uh, that's why I think I have such fond memories of my time with the Red Stars is because, man, you knew everybody that was standing there next to you was going to fight for you every second, you know, in practice in game off the field, like everything we were in it together. Um, and I think that was all due to, to Rory instilling that in us. And like I said, we never questioned our identity. We always knew who we were and our style of play. And he also, he is a great coach. 
he really knows the game. He really knows what he's doing. And so I think those two combine, like he gets your mind and he gets the soccer, the tactics and the, and the, the mind as well. So he's, uh, he's a good coach, but he, he is tough. Yeah, I mean, just reiterating from what both of them said, coming into this, you know, I came into it when it was not the pro league, essentially, it was the WPSL elite. I kind of, it was the first time for me in a long time, I felt I had a coach that believed in me, more in my spirit and how hard I work than my technical ability, but um, we worked <laughs> on a lot of that, and I think that, that for me, it was it was nice to have that belief in me, even when we battled and um, butt heads about a lot of things, but I believed in the style. Uh, I believed in his mind and how he sees the game. There's no doubt he reads the game better than most. So I, I learned a lot. And I think for us, like not only was it, this is our style of play, but we had a game plan that worked every game. And we trained that for how many years specifically for us as and what our style was as blue collar. And it worked very well, I think. Obviously, we would have loved to come away with championship, but I think that was the one thing also that I think he did a pretty good job of, but um, I don't know if he meant to do it or not, but he got us to become a pretty close team, <laughs> whether it was in the most unique way possible. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go beyond that, but I think he did a really good job of of really making us cohesive as a team and um, instilling that that style and that uh, belief in ourselves, um, even when we, we kind of struggled in certain areas of the game. I take away so much from that. And now that I coach, like Sitch was saying, um, I wasn't coaching at the time. I have a bigger appreciation for a lot of the decisions and the thoughts that were behind a lot of game decisions or whatever it might be. Because as a coach, you, you kind of just see it in a different light. So for me, it's, it's kind of cool to look back and think about those specific moments. Now I'm curious, Zoe, Sarah, how, many, how much of those elements that they've mentioned, how much of that do you guys still see now? And how much of that do you think is even more restored for emphasized, if anything? I think, so this was both of our first years. I knew immediately the first day I stepped onto that practice field what that identity was. It was just in the air around all the veterans and it wasn't just what they did. They also spoke about it. They also, they got on us if we weren't following in that identity. And I think for me, that helped a lot coming in and knowing that there was that solid team identity that each individual was going to bring their best every day. And a lot of teams say that, but I don't think a lot of teams truly have that environment. And that helped me just feel comfortable and know that I'm just going to come in every day. And no matter what happens, like if I tried my hardest, if I worked hard, um, then that would be a successful day. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said too. It's just, he really expects a lot, but you also know that he, it's because he, he knows you can do it and he wants you to do it. So yeah. And there's just so much he really reads the game really well. And yeah, just the culture around the Red Stars and outworking your opponent, it's still there. I think um, something else we're curious about is just, did you guys run into any injuries or any sort of thing? And then how did that shape your journey as a player? And how did you recover from that physically and mentally? Yeah, I'll go. I uh, tore my ACL and my meniscus in 2010. So that was the second year in the league. Um, actually with the Red Stars and luckily I guess you could say it was at the towards the end of the season so I didn't miss a lot of the season and I had the whole off season to kind of recover and get going but 
that was my first real serious injury that I kind of had. I had hamstring issue when I was in Sweden, but nothing that kept me out for longer than two months, you know, and to kind of do something like this was devastating to me. Like I just remember sitting on the field crying because I knew exactly what had just happened. And to think about all that was going to come with it, you know, at the time you, a lot of teammates, a lot of people were, you know, tearing your CL, you kind of know what the recovery was going to be. So I was devastated with that, but determined to get back and play. And again, we had amazing resources. I was able to rehab with two different people, like two different resources. It was hard. Honestly, for me, it was harder mentally than it was physically. Physically, you know, I was able to come back and get back into things, but like mentally, it was a mind block for me. And it was always two steps forward, one step back. And the thing that kind of was really hard and difficult for me was Red Stars had folded at the end of that season. So I went from being like on a team thinking I was going to come back and play with the Red Stars and it, they folded. I no longer had a contract. So here I was off for seven months and then having to try to like find a, find a team to play on and like hope that someone would take a chance with me to bring me into preseason. And luckily Western New York did. They brought me in and but I showed up to preseason two, three weeks after everyone had been there. So everyone had been there. They were fit. I was I mean, I felt like I was an elephant running around on the field because, you know, coming back from an injury and you're playing against Christine Sinclair and Marta and Alex Morgan and Sager, like I was for sure an elephant, like out there running around um, trying to get back into things. So it was really hard, like mentally, and I had to like really work myself back into that. And I actually got traded halfway through the season to head to Atlanta and, you know, be able to just continue. And it was, a, it was a year for me that was like a wash. Like I, I didn't feel like myself. It was mentally trying to get back into things. And again, fortunate that I had the opportunity to stay and train and play at that level, but it was a hard year knowing that like, where I've been in the past to where I am now and not being able to provide or help and give back to my team in the ways that I knew that I could, it, it was hard, but you get through it and you persevere and here we are. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky that I never had any major injuries myself. I know a lot of friends that did and obviously such including that, you know, but I think for, for me, I was, um, in college, I I had started every game freshman, sophomore year, and then I got a goalie landed on my leg and hyperextended it. But I was so lucky I didn't tear anything. Um, I was out for four or five games and it was still hard for me. But, you know, mentally at that time, it's difficult because you're young and you don't really know what to expect and what's going on with your body. And you really... For me, I never took care of my body before then. So it was learning how to manage that and really gain strength as well from it. Fast forward my last season with the Red Stars, I had, I don't know, it was like an unexplained back problem. I still never figured it out, but I, I call it just being old in a young man's game. So <laughs> I was, I knew I was ready to be done when I, uh, when I couldn't get through that. But, you know, I was, I was very lucky in my career and there's not a lot of people that can say that, I think, in that that's, that's the challenge, I think, is just managing your body and making sure you do the best you can for it. Everybody's bodies are so different. So it's, you never know what's going to happen on any given day, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, you play long enough, everybody's going to have uh, some, some injuries and trying to navigate through that can kind of make or break you really. You know, I was out for a while with concussions and that kind of shaped my career a little bit from the path that I thought that I was going to be on, which was playing with the national team for, for years and um, all of a sudden wasn't able to do that anymore, but was able to continue playing in the pro leagues. And so all of a sudden with the, you know, in the blink of an eye, the future I had kind of created in my head was flipped 
upside down, but you know, you, you roll with it. You, you figure out what the next step is and you, and you continue to move forward. I think when you're able to walk away from the game on your own terms, it's uh, not many people get to do it. And it's something that I'm forever grateful for uh, that an injury didn't take me away from the game, but I got to play as long as I wanted to. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, I can, I could kind of take my cleats off and say, all right, I'm, I'm done. And that was, that was a great run and I'm ready to move on to something else. And I think that's something that we're all three thankful for that we were able to, to kind of walk away with our, our bodies intact and uh, on our own terms, to, so to speak. And Toops is being very modest here and humble and which was, is one of the reasons why she's one of the most amazing leaders and just incredible people that I've ever played with. Toops with her concussion, sorry Toops, I'm totally going to embarrass you, but like, I'm going to brag about you because you were <laughs> like a freaking badass. Someone, Someone who asked you. couldn't <laughs> head the ball anymore, but would win every single ball in the air because she ma- maneuver her body perfectly to like win it with her chest. So like people would go up for a header with tubes and she would come away with it by like chesting it down and doing whatever. And I mean, unbelievable. Still one of the best players out of the air for someone who couldn't head. And, you know, tubes didn't say this, but like, do you talk about perseverance and you talk about how an injury completely shapes and, and derails maybe some of your dreams? Like she, like she mentioned, she wasn't able to play with the national team and played with the league, but you're also talking about someone who persevered and had another opportunity years down the road to play with the national team again, made the team, played in the 2015 World Cup in Canada, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And won a gold medal. So you're talking about someone who an injury took away her dreams for years, but like her attitude, her humbleness, like her work ethic, like everything that Choops is, she got back on the national team and won a World Cup after being away. And I just think that it's an incredible tribute to who Choops is. Um, and I idolize her for that. And again, like she said, it, sh- it shapes you, but also it's all about how you want to view it and the attitude that you want to bring and how you want that to go about. Because if she had any different mentality, that opportunity wouldn't have come knocking at the door for her again. So I think that's a great lesson for people to think about with and use her as an example for that. It can be hard in the long run, but setbacks are opportunities for comebacks and she jumped on that. All right, enough out of that. <laughs> Do you remember when you went up and obviously won the ball out of the air like nine times out of ten and somebody yelled at you was like, why? What is wrong with you? Why didn't you head the ball? You're like, yeah, somebody said she has to, head. she went to the referee, she has to head the ball. And I said, do I though? Do I? I don't have to head the ball. I remember that clear as day. You're like, what? Yeah. We were, I remember we were playing against Boston and I was yeah. like, well, referee, she has to head the ball. And I said, what? What are you talking about? Is that a rule? Well, I'm inspired now. I'm hyped up. But just back to Lori, you're talking about how much of a gift it is to be able to leave the game behind on your own terms. Just going into that thought process of deciding when to leave the game and something that you've committed so much of your life to. How did that internal dialogue come about? for each of you and how did you end up ultimately making that decision? Yeah, that's a really good question. I and I think it's very unique to each person. It just kind of in the back of in the back of your head at some point you you start to think about, you know, is this is this my last season? And you know, I feel like if you're if you have any doubt, you continue to play. And when you know when there's no doubt in your mind, then you know it's time. But that's what for me it was just like 
it just makes it just there was no doubt and I was and I was very at peace with with that decision and you know really like no tears my last game like I was like happy you know I was happy that that I was able to do that for so long and like that was that was my previous life you know (laughs) and you also get to have a second life where you you know get to, to to pursue other things and um so I feel like for every every person it's just a little bit different but I think that at some point you just know you just, and it just feels right and you just become at peace with it. I mean, my, my, yeah, I, again, they're, everybody's so unique. I knew that for what I wanted in my future. Um, I knew we wanted to start a family. I knew where I was heading and where I wanted to be, but I actually uh, struggled with coming to peace with that decision. Um, probably for about three years, I struggled with that. It wasn't until I became pregnant with my daughter, uh, who's a year and a half now. And that was when I was finally at peace with it because I found something that I really wanted to do. And that was with coaching. Um, again, not something I had originally stepped into after I, I finished, but I think the biggest battle and challenge going through all of that is finding what's next and what you love and what you are passionate about. Because as Chup said, you know, she was able to step into a role she was super excited about. And I mean, out of the conversations that we've always had. And I know that a lot of the players that I've played with too have, you know, it takes time to come to peace with that to figure out what it is that you want to do. Because, you know, your identity for so long, for 25 years of my life is I'm a soccer player. And then stepping into that role where, oh, what do you do? Well, I don't really know. (laughs) I had a hard time coming to peace with that. It wasn't until recently that I was excited to be uh, saying who I am and what I am and what I do. And I think it's, it's again, different for everybody. Um, Such and I have had conversations about this all the time, figuring out, you know, our identity and what do we, who are we nowadays? And it's just a challenge. But again, you talk about the doubt I had no doubt I wanted to step away, but I think I still struggled with that decision for a little time, but I'm happier than I've ever been. So yeah, just piggyback a little off of them. I mean, I just kind of knew, like I started having passions and other things. I started wondering what life would be like without soccer. And, you know, like I was happy with being able to play for nine, 10 years. And I just felt passionate about other things. I think I personally, for me, like I was okay the year after kind of retired. It's been the years after that. I think the first year you're kind of just like, Ooh, something new. And after that, I, again, like I just, I didn't know how to identify myself. It's hard to find like that rush because you're just used to that competitive drive of different things. And, you know, I dove into triathlons and marathons and all that stuff, which I absolutely love, but nothing compares to being in a locker room with your best friends nothing compares to like lacing up your boots and playing small-sided games or just like all those fun competitive things and I that was the hardest thing for me to walk away from or even now sometimes I'm just like I I don't have all these best friends around or you know you just everyone kind of goes their separate ways and lives their life and and then we get to do cool zoom chats like this where we can see (laughs) But like, it, you know, like that was really hard. And I still even think now sometimes I'm like, where's life going? I miss some aspects of still playing, you know? And you, you forget when you're in the thick of it, how fast it goes. And people always mm-hmm. tell you it goes by fast. It goes by fast. But boy, does it. I mean, I think about back how long it was since I was in college and it just like blows my mind. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that you just cherish and just live out and dive into as much as you can while you can, you know, cause we all get older. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, 
you know, I think we're all at peace and we're all happy, happy to be where we're at. But man, I, I think just about every day I miss, I miss playing. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't, <clears throat> I miss it a lot. Um, but also, uh, you know, happy with where I'm at. Exactly. It's that hard balance though. Sometimes where you're like, I'm really happy with where I've moved on to, but oh, could I just still keep playing? Like I've thought many times, I'm like, I could totally still play, right? Like you know, we need to play in an old women's league or something. I love, I still train with the girls I coach, but it's oh. as much as I love it. I love doing it. It's just not the same as stepping on the field with all your buddies. And I, I trained with the, <clears throat> the girls I coach and I had to, I quickly had to stop it because I was like slide tackling them. And <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, no. I was like yelling at them. Like I yell at you. Like I used to yell at you two, like, you know, cursing out my players. I, I guess, I guess like, I dude, step up and play. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I love them. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like yeah, try I to forget. win. Yeah. Like I forget I'm a coach. I'm supposed to be, and I'm just like, what? I'm not allowed to leave my feet at training. That's the rule. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. A couple of years ago, I, I played a, an indoor, a co-ed indoor tournament. Like, oh, I missed the game. I'm going to, like, play co-ed indoor. Well, you can't tackle from behind in co-ed indoor. I don't know if they have those rules in, in Illinois, but, like, you can't even, like, touch. I'm out here, like, slide tackling people, which is frowned upon in co-ed indoor soccer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. Like a, a Christmas, like a holiday tournament. I'm over here like slide tackling people <laughs> and like like hitting them into the boards because we were losing. <laughs> I got mad, and uh, basically I I don't do that anymore. I just don't play. <laughs> Not the same. <laughs> same. I was coaching this past fall. I was working with like an O9 group, so they're like U10, U11, and they needed a goalkeeper. So I stepped in in our small sided games, and one of the girls is like coach, um, you're like trying too hard and it's like not fair and you're really into it. And I was like, uh, yeah, like how else are you supposed to be? <laughs> like, I don't know how to just stand in goal and let you guys score goals. I mean, like, I'm not going to do that. They're like, oh, because you're pro. And I was like, no, because I don't want to lose. I like got called out by, I'm not going to lose. <laughs> well, this is going to be the lesson of the day. You always want to win and we're going to compete for everything. But <laughs> I, you guys. I coach a U10 girls team and they are so competitive that they talk crap to me if I jump in and they're like, I'm going to beat you. I'm better than you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I love so it. what I'm learning here is no mercy. If I ever have, to, if I ever have to step on the field with any of you three, it's ball game for me, most likely and my ankles. Probably. Sometimes I wish I could just like tone it down, but I just, that's, if I learn anything about There's myself, no that I just can't. There's no way. And that's why I just don't play anymore. <laughs> we need to like have a, a, a girls league here. You just need to come up here. It's competitive. Like I could play if it's competitive, but I can't play it just for fun. Like it's just not fun. But there is no, it's not fun if it's no. not competitive. No. I, I can agree to that. Yeah, like what's the point? It's ingrained in us. Sitch, when we didn't have many numbers this year and there was a day or two where you were potentially going to make your return, to the game <laughs> how what was going through your head <laughs> oh my god it's my time no. <laughs> Rory's gonna sign me <laughs> oh my gosh Rory probably over his dead body was he like <laughs> like please why <laughs> I love you Sitch like, I would joke with Rory about that all the time I'm like do you remember when you didn't want me on the field and now you want me <laughs> You have so much crap about it. Just a joke. It's so funny. Oh my God. Um, 
I mean, it was exciting. It was cool to like think about to, you know, be back or playing and stuff. And, but you know, then a little bit is like, oh my God, like, could I play in a game and like do this stuff? But it comes back. You're a different player a little bit after you coach. Like, I don't know, Chips and Michelle, how you guys feel. Like you see the game a little bit differently now that you've been coaching versus like before, just as like a player and stuff. So it was exciting. It's been cool to like train with you guys and have that environment. And if, if that would have ever happened, it would have been so cool. Like, you know, it would have just been exciting, you know, to kind of have that opportunity again, because when does that really happen? No, it was fun. I wanted it to happen. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> now, before I, before I uh, talk about your guys' post-playing careers a little bit, Sarah, you had mentioned, we were talking about this a little bit before when prepping for this, you and Lori have, have like a common connection here as far as hometown and and everything like that can you talk a little bit more on that actually yeah um Lori I don't know I'm, I'm sure you don't remember me but you actually trained me at because I played for Gallagher so I'm from Missouri so I went up to St. Louis to play but you trained me a few times you were at the Ursuline Academy I, I always butcher Ursuline you were at those training sessions on Sunday mornings I think yep times when I was in like grade school and then there was another maybe like a camp that you helped Carlton out at yeah um yeah and you were there and you brought your um Olympic medal in for all of us to take pictures with and all that stuff so I was it just really, really makes me feel old because I feel like you were just like a little kid when I was with <laughs> I'm like no that can't be because those kids are only like you know 12 now you know yeah. like, <laughs> I was probably I had to have been at least 13 or 14 yeah. at the time yeah. but yeah that was fun the, yeah, the good old days yeah there was one time I remember I was thinking about this last night me and another girl I think we're trying to juggle the ball and score a basket in one of the hoops because we were in a gym and we did it and we were so excited and we showed you and you're like well if you only do it once it's just lucky so like do it again like then it's good like, <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that one time it's only lucky I guess I could have celebrated your successes a little bit so, better <laughs> we got it again I'm pretty sure we got it again so okay there you go. See, I was just pushing you <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's great. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's I, I I'm 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 taking that phrase now. I I need to put, I need to put that on like one of those motivational poster things. <laughs> like I need I need it now. I'm <laughs> um, talking about you guys po uh, post playing careers. Uh, like how long between when you when you hung your cleats up to and between that and when you had your post playing careers when did you guys know that that's what you guys wanted to do well i'll go first because mine's really easy <laughs> i knew i knew before i even retired that that i was going to be coaching and where i was going to be coaching so my, my transition was pretty easy <laughs> she had her life laid out she had it figured out <clears throat> i love it a little bit yeah i mean mine is a little different obviously i spoke about it a bit um when I retired, I got into finance again. I was I worked at a bank downtown and I did that for about a year and a half until I realized I was extremely unhappy with that decision. 
um, which made retiring from soccer that much harder. But I also like didn't have a lot of time with my son. So my husband actually owns a soccer club in the area. And for me, it was, he kept begging me to come back. He's like, you have to coach. You have to coach. Just please coach. And it was kind of an easy decision to do that because we never saw each other. So for me, I transitioned into that role. I was such a perfectionist too. I was like so nervous to coach. I was like, what if they don't like me? <laughs> I don't know, but it was so funny, but I absolutely loved it. First day was like stepping back onto the field is great. So for me, it took a little bit of time. And then obviously when I uh, stepped into this role with the Red Stars as well, um, recently um, with camps and clinics, I just, I had, I had been looking for something more than just coaching as well. Um, and what it looks like to be a part of a business and an idea and um, help um, more players and young athletes around the area and how can I do that at a broader scale. Um, so this was like the perfect transition and role for what I wanted and what I needed. So it, it took me five years to figure exactly what I wanted in my life post soccer. So still trying to figure that out with kids, but no, it's great. I love it. And, um, I'm just so excited where I'm at now. Yeah, I think I always wanted to coach or I always wanted to work with kids growing up. I always wanted to be a teacher or something. I knew that I wanted to work with kids and doing individuals and coaching towards the end of my career with a high school club team. Like I just really <clears throat> enjoyed that aspect to it. But I also did go through a period after playing, I didn't get right into like coaching collegiately or anything outside of individuals and small club. I actually was a personal trainer. I taught fitness classes and did that for a while, which I absolutely loved and still wonder sometimes if I should teach fitness classes on the side but um, I actually randomly there was a job available at University of Chicago and so I was like well I don't know anything really about D3 or anything about U Chicago but I guess I'll just apply for it and you know kind of go with it because I wanted to stay in Chicago at the time and went in interviewed um, it was between myself and at the time I didn't know but it actually was a um, my first pro coach, um, Kelly Lindsay, who is also up for the running of it. So once I knew she was in the running, I was like, yeah, I'm totally not getting it. Like, she's amazing. So she actually got the job and I didn't. And then I stayed with club and fitness, doing fitness stuff. And six months later, the Amy Reifer, the head coach at U Chicago, called me and was like, hey, Kelly had to relocate. You want to interview again? I was like, okay, sure. Here we go. So I did that and I just fell in love with it. Like, absolutely loved being back in the college environment, having that, working with collegiate athletes. And I really liked the program at D3. And I really liked University of Chicago, loved everything about it and just fell in love and knew that I wanted to stay in coaching, you know, and then obviously I popped around here and there and now I'm with the Red Stars and stuff, but I just loved, I love it. So it's kind of my path of getting into coaching. What advice would the three of you guys have for the younger generation and for those still wanting, for that, that are playing now, like Sarah and Zoe are, those who are in grade school, middle school, high school, what advice would you would you guys give them as far as playing careers, life advice, just anything in that realm that you guys had to go through to, as you guys mentioned, set up the current generation for the stability and success that they have? What advice would you guys give the upcoming generation? I, I think from my perspective and maybe I'm taking a different tone but I think my biggest advice and maybe from that's my own career in playing but it, it would be to don't sweat the small stuff the little little details enjoy the heck out of it and and take take every day as it comes because it's some days really are a struggle 
Um, I'm sure you guys know some days are frustrating and difficult, but I, I think I spent for myself a little bit too much time sweating those small little details and little things that would happen in my career, but really enjoying those moments. Uh, on, on another note, putting in the work that you need to put in. Um, you, can't, you can't rest. I think soccer's changed dramatically and I think it's getting harder and harder and especially for up and coming players to make rosters and continue to play post college. So putting in the work that you need to put in day in and day out and knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and trying to uplift both of them um, at the same time. But that would be my biggest advice. But my, my main one is don't sweat the small stuff. Just have fun, have fun. That's what it's about. I would say, um, I think like, like controlling the things that you can control, you know, your fitness, your work rate, those are things that should never waver. Um, and so I would say like, if you know, just make sure that you're taking care of those, of those things. If you're as fit as you can possibly be and you come to every practice ready to work, you're going to be an asset to, to the team, no matter if you have a good day or a bad day, you know, everybody has ups and downs, but but control those things. And uh, with that comes controlling uh, your work rate and what you're doing in the off season and what you're doing before and after practice and getting in those extra reps and, you know, but just, just taking care of yourself and making sure that, that you, um, that you control the things that you can control. Good stuff. I also like <clears throat> kind of what Choops just said, the only thing you can control is your attitude, you know, and showing up every single day, like being the fittest, putting in all the work outside of stuff, but like also focusing on the simple things, like something that I learned as I got older with my career is like, you still have to work on passing and receiving the most basic parts of the game and just like not forgetting some of those fundamental stuff of just constantly do some of the easy stuff, go out, have fun on your own. Like not everything has to be structured. And I think you enjoy the game and you play at your best when you're just having fun. And I think to try to keep it in that sense, like for just young players, like don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing or how everyone else is training, like focus on yourself and do the things that you can control and have fun with it. That would be like something, you know, for definitely the young thing, the younger generation. And also just believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will, you know, and I think just having a little bit more of like that confidence and bringing that stuff to the table, I think is important as well for younger girls and stuff. And again, just believe in yourself, believe in your goals and going after it, never give up a dream. Same things that they both said. <laughs> I'm also curious about this and Sarah, Zoe, I'm going to need your guys' help with this. What has Mots told you about these three? I'm sure there's had to have been something, right? We've only heard one story. I don't know if we can say it. <laughs> right before we got on the call, Mats mentioned something about Sitch, but yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not going to say it. Rory the moon. Oh, yes. Do you remember? I remember. Rory remembers those too. <laughs> remember that clear as day. I would say just about every crazy memory I have from the Red Stars involves Mots somewhere <laughs> along the line. So if anybody is says in trouble here, if we start telling uh, embarrassing stories, it's going to be Mots on the line. Yeah, she's <laughs> got a lot of dirt under. We yeah, we can go on forever about Mots. And she's not on the call, so we can say anything. <laughs> <laughs> that must be why she didn't tell us any others then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. going to come up about her. <laughs> Yeah. He's literally in the room next door. So when we're done, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Good times. Good times. So Lori, did you know that you're actually involved? Uh, that out of out of everyone here, 
you're the only one that's been involved in the EA Sports FIFA franchise. Well, I knew, I knew, I knew that. Yep. Are you are you aware of what your rating and everything was on there? No, I don't think it was very good. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? I was on it, and nobody. Probably I mean, that's huge. But hey, I was there. You were. You were part of the very first FIFA <laughs> that that included uh, women's international teams. It was FIFA 16, and I remember and I remember that game a lot because my college neighbor at the time he and I would play that all the time and he was the worst with playing with the U.S. national team and I was easily the best but I wanted to look back and I tried to see okay surely someone else uh if, if maybe someone else made the team out of this group and you were the only one who ever made a FIFA that ever made a FIFA and yeah um I actually have the stats pulled up and everything right now and they're they're respectable. They're 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 good. They're they're good. Yeah. Um. I guess you know it's what you're what you call good. I guess is on the sliding scale of you know good to poor. I don't know where I'd fall, but again, you made it. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not complaining. Have a rating. It's like. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What would yeah. you say? Would you if you had to pick? If EA went to you, Lori, what would your what would your FIFA rating have been if it was uh, that year? If they just let you just pick whatever, and they're just like, be honest, pick a rating. What would you give yourself in that game? I'm completely blind here because I have no idea what the rating system is, it looks like. All I know is that you know I was on the lower end of some. So if it's out of ten. What is it? I don't know. I'm making it up. If it's out yeah. of ten, what do you think? It's uh, out of 100, uh, so they oh. rate everyone out of 100, and they base the overall rating on pace, shooting, passing, dribbling, defense, and physicality, and then they just come up with the average based on the substats and all of those categories. So what based on where I am right now, I have some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> At the time when the game came out, what would you uh, what would you say your rating would be if it was if it was up to you? <laughs> and like it, or at least in your prime what would your in your in your prime of your playing career what well, would your FIFA rating be depends what position are you playing I don't know I don't know I, I don't even I don't know what they did rate me I don't know what I would be would you like to know only if it's good they have you as a, as a center mid at an overall rating of 69 your best position in the game it says is a, a central defensive mid with your best overall rating being 71 that's great <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's exactly where I would have rated myself. So, Sitch Michelle, what would you guys say your fee, your respective FIFA ratings would be if you guys had to pick? If you were ever in the game, what would your highest FIFA rating? If you was a seventy-one, then I must be a ten. I don't make the scale. <laughs> so I didn't play on the national team. You get points for just standing on the field because <laughs> that would be mine. What was your rating at 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 one touch finishing game? Oh, that was a that's a high score right there. I don't know, a perfect ten, of course. A perfect ten. There you go. <laughs> out of a hundred. Oh, out of a hundred again. 100. <laughs> ten. A perfect ten. All right, well, guys, thank you guys uh, very much for uh, for joining the show. Is there anything else you guys want uh, want to say? at all for the fans listening to this episode to zoe and sarah even being a part of the current uh ro roster anything at all you guys want to say 
Well, one thing that that I would like to to say, and this is maybe for the fans, for the current players, for for everybody involved, is that you know all of us so-called alumni of the Red Stars, we are, uh, you know, I think playing for the Red Stars is not just a team that you play for for a certain amount of time and then you leave. It, it's in your blood, you know. And I think that um, I'm I'm really proud uh, to have played for the Red Stars, and it is a part of me for always. Um, you know, these two girls that are on the on the call as well were bridesmaids in my wedding and that just shows you how uh you know influential the years were that I was in Chicago and uh, I enjoyed playing for the fans I mean after games and signing autographs and talking to the fans is something that uh I miss and and we appreciate so much but I love the city I love Chicago and I love having been been uh, able to play for the Red Stars and uh appreciate so much what Arnhem and everybody does um to continue you know, keeping things uh, going on the right track. And, uh, you know, we're, we're cheering them on and, and just want to continue to see success and continue to, to see that blue collar mentality. And, and we enjoy, enjoy seeing that. Well said, Captain. Amen to that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out and wanting to do this. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I mean, not just for coming on the call, but also like you all said, for laying the foundation essentially for me and Sarah being here today and me being able to live in this apartment and go to off season training, train during the year and just plan the team. So thank you. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel the same way that like you're a part of it now too, and that you get to leave a legacy and, and when you come back and get to do podcasts years from now, uh, it'll be amazing to see where the league has, has continued to grow and continue to, to uh, improve so we appreciate your hard work as well and uh yeah that's all i got <laughs> thank you guys